Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Remember, if you are overwhelmed by this healthcare system, feeling underappreciated by this healthcare system, and you've just been looking for a voice of reason, you have now found it. It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. This week, we are going to be talking about lupus. Now, this is actually a topic I touched on several years ago, but thanks to a question that I received on TikTok, uh, it kind of got me, you know what, let me get myself reactivated to this important disease process that affects a lot of people, in particular, the women, especially here in the Lunch and Learn community. So remember, like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review. We're going to be talking about lupus. And this is a disease that is near and dear to my heart, not necessarily because I have family members, might, I'm not sure yet, but I, not because I have direct family members who are affected by it. But when I got out of residency, one of the first patients I had to take care of, it was my first, in fact, not even one of, she was actually my first patient that I had to take care of, had to deal with the complications and effects of this disease. And I was on TikTok the other day and someone asked me about it. And they were like, oh, can you talk about lupus? And I was like, oh, I remember having a video. And I look back. Now, mind you, especially if you've been on this long journey with me, uh, you know, when we were just doing, you know, the Facebook lives, if you've been with me for a while, we talked about lupus, but I went back and looked at that video. Oh, like, let's just say I have gotten much better at presenting my thoughts and the uh, visuals is much better as well, too, more, first and foremost. Like it was, I was like, oh, no, there's no way I can just like tell a person to go look at that. So I had a person on TikTok say, hey, can you talk about lupus? And I said, you know what? Yes, I can. So we are doing a refresher on lupus, how to understand what is lupus, more importantly, who it affects, how it affects people, and why you should be thinking, you know, first and foremost, like, all right, signs and symptoms, concerns, you know, can I have lupus, right? Now, again, I don't want you guys to listen to the, for any of my episodes. I don't want you guys to listen to any of my episodes and then run into your doctor and say, hey, I think I have this, right? Because that's what WebMD does. WebMD gives you like a kitchen sink of symptoms and has you running to the doctors like us saying, hey, I think I got brain cancer or something. This is not that. I just want you to begin, remember, empower yourself for better health, right? I just want you to be empowered with the knowledge so that if you come across these constellation of things that you may hear across our Medicine Monday show or our Real Physician Reacts, you are more prepared to be able to speak to your healthcare provider. So we're going to talk about lupus. And anytime I talk about disease, I like to give kind of general four or five different facts so you guys can kind of understand why it's important for us to remember this aspect of a disease, whether we're talking about diabetes, hypertension. So let's talk about lupus, right? So we know lupus affects about 1.5 million people here in this country and about 5 million worldwide. So yes, it doesn't affect a lot of people, but this is why you need to be concerned. 90% of the people who are affected are women. 90% of the people who are affected by lupus are women. In fact, African-American women are three times more likely to have been diagnosed with lupus than white women, right? So this not only is a disease that primarily affects women, 
but it primarily affects women who are also African-American descent, right? So this is definitely a disease that always gets my radar up. Any disease that affects African-Americans much more significantly to other people, I'm going to be like, all right, I need to talk about this, especially because I know my audience. Um, a lot of the people who listen or watch me, you know, are, are African-American. So I, I, I know my audience when it's foremost. One in 250 African-American women um, are affected by lupus, right? So these are just some reasons that you should be like, all right, this is definitely a, a disease, especially again, if you got friends, family, you are African-American women, this is definitely a disease that I need to be thinking about that should be on my radar. Again, like I said, it's not as frequent as your diabetes and your hypertension and your cholesterol, but just because it's not as frequent doesn't mean that if you aren't uh, ready for the effects, it could be a problem. And I want to talk, let's talk about my patient. Let's talk about how I was introduced to my patient. Because what we see as far as where lupus kind of conforms and when it comes out, like when it kind of shows out, is that typically it affects women in childbearing age. So women in childbearing age, that's when you're going to develop some of the symptoms that we're going to talk about later on uh, that could lead you to think that All right, I might have lupus. So that's kind of the, the cohort here. So I have this patient, again, this is my first, I, I did outpatient medicine right out of residency. My first patient who came to me was actually a referral from the hospital. And it was a referral from the hospital because this patient had been in a hospital for almost, I think at the time it was like four weeks or so. Like it was a, it was a pretty significant case of complications. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you were probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drbarrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And, you know, the patient came in, not feeling well, um, had labs. The labs are severely abnormal. And after treatment of the labs and treatment and diagnosing and biopsy, they had to do a, even a biopsy, boom, you have lupus. And the lupus is what cascaded it all. Of course, she didn't know she had lupus. No one ever told her she had lupus. She didn't recognize the signs or symptoms, but it had gotten so bad that it put her in kidney failure. Like th these are just, again, that, and that's a you know quick little Easter egg of a complication of lupus that doesn't get corrected, kidney failure is one of the big ones. So she comes in and she's again, she's been in a hospital for about a month. Now she's coming in with a disease she had no clue about. And here I am having to educate her on what to do next. So that was my introduction to lupus as an attending physician. Of course, I've, I've seen it. I read about it when I was a medical student or as a resident. But as an attending physician, that was my first introduction, which is why this disease carries so much weight with me because it automatically makes me think about my very first patient who um, I, I take, I've had to take care of subsequently throughout the years, not only when I was doing outpatient medicine, uh, but when I was doing inpatient medicine uh, because, you know, she, because at this time she had kidney issues. And so I, I've, I've had to keep up with her. Um, and she's one every time I fact, every time I see her nephrologist, I ask her nephrologist about that patient, right? Because like that's again when when you got your first, like you don't typically forget it. So let's talk about what is lupus, because I think when we we hear about it a lot, we we see it on TV or we we know our friends and family, but we just kind of figure out what is lupus. 
So let's think about the kind of a layman's term breakdown. Lupus is when your immune system says, hey, you know what? I don't recognize myself, so I'm going to turn on myself. Now, we know if you get a cold, an infection, your immune system says, hey, there's a foreign object that I need to take care of to keep this body healthy. So when it's working, it works well. But when we're talking about in the case of lupus, something happens where your own body doesn't recognize or your own immune system doesn't recognize that the foreign body it's trying to attack is its actual self. So you have this disease process where the immune system is actually beating up and destroying itself. This is uh, what we call an autoimmune disorder, right? Like you have an autoimmune problem where like, hey, like you're beating up me and you're not even recognizing that I'm not a foreign object or I'm not a foreign body. Like I'm not a cold, I'm not a flu, I'm not, pneumonia, I'm not any of these viruses or bacteria, but you're treating me like such. So this is what happens. And now let's think about this. When we think about the immune system, where does the immune system, you know, again, kind of coordinate? It coordinates everywhere around the body. If you had, if you got an infection on your skin, your immune system goes there. If you had infection, if you had a, you know, a head cold, congestion, your immune system goes there. You got the stomach ache, your immune system goes there. So when you get to the point where your body is turning on itself, guess what? Every organ is up for grabs, right? So just think about just how bad, especially when it's not being treated or not, you, you don't even recognize you have it, just how bad it can get. Because now you have an entire system fighting against itself and no place on your body is actually safe in that regard. So, um, and this causes, and I kind of, I like how they talked about it here. Uh, can affect the skins, the joints, all the internal organs. Again, as an internal medicine physician, a person who specializes in internal organs, of course, lupus is something that I'm going to be geared towards because, hey, this is something that's going to affect every internal organ that I'm a specialist for. So, and, and it causes what we say this inflammation cascade because, again, when, when your body's trying to fight an infection, one of the ways it does it is that it causes a cascade of events that causes inflammation to try to destroy this foreign object. Unfortunately, the foreign object it's trying to destroy is its own. So I think that's where when we think about how bad can lupus get? Because I think I always get that question a lot. when I Anytime I talk about the disease, and it's the reason why I like to talk about the complications of the disease, because I think sometimes people can kind of brush it off and say, oh, that's just diabetes. Oh, especially if you heard the last two episodes. Oh, that's just you know hypertension. That's just cholesterol. That's just an abnormal lab. Not realizing like, no, that abnormal lab can have severe detrimental effects if nothing's done about it. So yeah, just kind of more food for thought. So there are four types of um, lupus. We have systemic lupus. So when we talk about systemic lupus, this is what everyone typically thinks about. This is where when lupus becomes such an issue that it affects in multiple organ systems, the skin, uh, you know, the eyes, the kidneys, everything, systemic lupus. We have cutaneous lupus. Again, it only affects the skin. Um, we have uh, neonatal lupus, uh, which again, Makes sense. Neonatals only affecting little kids and then drug induced lupus. Yes, there are actually some medications which carries a risk. And I'm not going to say it's a zero percent risk. It carries a risk that it can cause lupus. We also know there's some illicit drugs that can cause your body to have a reaction that, again, 
makes your body start turning on itself. So definitely some things to think about. The majority of the cases of lupus are going to be the systemic type, the systemic lupus or arepithus. I don't even know how to pronounce that E word. Um, but like that's the majority, but you, we still want to think about drug-induced. We still want to think about neonatal, and we still want to think about the cutaneous um, aspect of it. Because again, remember, lupus and the body can affect everything. So of course, it can affect those things. So what causes it? Dr. Barry, what causes lupus? What should I be, you know, trying to avoid? Is there some foods should I be trying to like, what should I be avoiding? And the answer is we don't know. We don't really have a direct correlation to say, oh, we know specifically that this thing right here causes lupus. We don't have that answer for you. We know that because it's an autoimmune issue that there could be some family genetics at hand. But even though we know there could be some family genetics, I can't necessarily point to you and say, which one is it? So it's still out in the open. We just know that you have this disease that turns on itself and it could cause a problem. There could be some environmental things. We kind of talked about the drug-induced related issues, stress, hormone-related issues, the fact that 90% of those who are affected with lupus are women, right? We have to figure estrogen has some type of role. We don't know what the role is. So we're not going to tell you that estrogen is definitely it because if estrogen was definitely it, you would have, let's say, 100%, right? Like you wouldn't, it'd be a, like, but again, even though 90% is a lot, 90% is a lot, but you would expect, you know, so we have, it's this combination of things. So the easiest answer to say what causes lupus, I don't know. I just know that it just takes this combination of things that occur and then boom, you have a state of uh, body that is attacking itself. Like we don't know what specifically started the cascade, but we know that the cascade is here. And because we know the cascade is here, we know we have to do something about it. So let's talk about some of these signs and symptoms, right? Like we should be worried about, we should be concerned about when dealing and expecting that a patient, suspecting that a patient may have lupus, right? Or you're suspecting, all right, am I dealing with lupus? Like, is this something I need to be going to my doctor for? Um, the, the textbook, and again, it's not always textbook, right? But the textbook signs and symptoms that we see and there's even like test questions centered around it are patients who are very fatigued, patients who are complaining about joint pain, and patients who have a particular uh, rash. We call it a malar rash, usually rosiness around the cheeks area. Because remember, lupus affects everything. It affects the skin. It affects the joints. It affects the body. So you, when you have this, this cascade of inflammation going everywhere, you're feeling tired. You're feeling sluggish. Uh, I don't know what I want to do. My bones hurt. My joints hurt. I'm 20 years old. I'm talking about bone pain. That's a, you know, we that that's where we start thinking. Like, all right, if you're 80 years old, you're talking about bone pain. I'm not thinking about lupus. But if you're 20 years old, you're young. You're fresh. You're in, you know, middle school. I don't know middle school. Uh, was that 20s? A little bit after high school, right? You're like in high school age, or even high school. Like you're you're a high school, post high school, and you're talking about you your, your joints are hurting you your shoulder, your knees, and oh, that 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 rings alarms that we should be concerned about. There's some other symptoms um, that are typically associated with kind of a later onset, aka you've had this lupus, it's been brewing for a while, um, fevers, chills, um, you know, we have uh, kidney-related concerns. This is when we start talking about blood work and everything. So there's some 
there's a lot of different signs and symptoms that varies associated with lupus, but typically we see the rash, we see the fatigue, we see the joint pain, we start getting concerned. As a primary care physician, when patients come into my office and they start telling me symptoms like that and they start fitting that mold, right? There's things I typically would do, right? There's typically lab tests I would do. Obviously, when we talk about how to diagnose lupus, history of physical, I tell I tell my pre-med messages all the time, this is the big one. History of physical is number one. You got to get good, accurate history, good, accurate physical exams to be able to kind of put yourself in the mindset that, hey, this may be disease I'm thinking about. Because as a, as a good physician, you should be able to order tests thinking, hey, you know what? I think you got this disease, but let me confirm or let me confirm that you don't have it. Like we're not just ordering a million tests just to order a million tests. That's what we do when we're a resident. But when we're an attending physician, we should be able to say like, all right, I think you got this here. These are, these are the reasons why. Let me order this, this, this test to confirm. Like that's how it's supposed to go when you got a good physician. Um, blood, let's talk about blood work, right? Cause everyone wants to know about blood work. And the most, the most common one that's typically ordered in a outpatient setting is the ANA. So what are ANAs? ANAs are autoimmune antibodies. And why would you have autoimmune antibodies? Because your body is recognizing that, Hey, foreign substances here. Let me attack it. Let me produce antibodies for it. But the unfortunate is that those antibodies attack itself, right? So if you have a concentration of autoimmune antibodies, you're like, hold on, like, why do I have this high concentration of a antibody that's going to attack myself unless I have a disease process that's causing me to attack myself? So ANAs are probably the most common test ordered in the uh, outpatient sector. I remember when I did a rotation in rheumatology, because of course, when I was doing when I was doing a resident when I was a resident, I knew I wanted to do outpatient medicine. I was very happy with doing outpatient medicine. So when I would go to my specialist for rotations, I would ask, "Hey, like, what are some tests you wish that the the primary care would have ordered before they came to see you?" So these are some of the tests that they would always mention. They would always mention uh, a sedimentation rate. So what is a sedimentation rate? Sedimentation rate is do you got some inflammation going on in your body? Because remember, and I talked about this earlier, now to kind of, again, Easter egg it, I talked about how you have this inflammatory cascade occurring when dealing with the disease process. So you have this inflammatory cascade, I get a blood test like a SED rate or CRP to see if that's elevated, right? So the inflammation uh, cascade, a urinalysis is one of the cheap, cheap related tests, but it's an amazing test because it can give us a good idea of um you know, do you have something that's now affecting the kidneys? Because remember, your kidneys are, are like a fortress until it's not. And if you start seeing things in the urine that you shouldn't see, you got to go. You, you, something needs to be done, right? So I love I love getting it. Um, and again, we check for a CBC that gives us like a tick for your, if you're anemic as well, if there's any signs of inflammation, signs of infection. So those are some of the biggest ones. Um, really no imaging studies per se. That's going to say like, oh, I just sell this and boom, you have lupus, really nothing directly. So a lot of it is history and physical labs. Um, and then there's even a criteria uh, based on the just ULAR, European League uh, Against uh, rheum Rheumatism. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so they have a, a kind of a checklist system that says, like, if you got, you know, if you meet certain criteria, like, all right, fatigue for three months, 
multiple joints. You know, if you start, you know, if you check off enough, enough boxes, they say, oh, you know what? You got a high suspicion for having this, right? So lots of different ways to kind of test and say, like, do you have lupus or not? But remember, signs and symptoms, remember history, you know, will will kind of let, let you kind of run. So, and when we, when to kind of end it, I want to kind of talk about some treatment options. And of course, you know, here on this show, you know, we don't go deep into the treatment options. Um, one, because I, I, I want y'all to be, by this time, y'all should be following up with your specialist for it. But I just want you to kind of know what treatment options are available. So hydroxychloroquine, you guys may know that very well, right? That is Plaquenil. That is the medication that people were trying to give for COVID that we kept telling you, like, stop using for COVID because it don't work. And the re- one of the reasons why is because y'all were running to, to the pharmacies and all these places to get all of the Plaquenil. And then your patients with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis couldn't get their typical medications that they typically get for their actual disease. So this is another reason why we're telling you, like, don't get um, uh, the, the, uh, the lupus, right? Um, methotrexate is one. Uh, is another medication, glucocorticoids are another medication, but most importantly, making sure you see your rheumatologist, right? Like if if anything else, make sure you follow up with your rheumatologist because that's going to be really what's going to uh, set you straight, right? So again, I just want to kind of give a nice little general overview. What I'm going to do, I'm going to work on getting a rheumatologist to come on the show, and then we're going to pick their brain on lupus and lupus-related diseases, I'm yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.